comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. DCTV podcast episode number seven, and uh, we had a pretty good, uh, pretty good week for DCTV this week. Uh, we had new episodes of Constantine, uh, Gotham, and Arrow. Uh, no new Flash this week, thanks to our elected officials taking over uh, yeah. that night, uh, Tuesday, that particular Tuesday night. But uh, we did get three uh, new installments of, of three new shows, and joining me tonight, um, as always, uh, my stalwart companion here on DCTV, uh, Rich Sheldon, the Chub Toad himself. How are you, sir? Hello, just finished watching Arrow, and the blood is just now returning to my brain. Oh. Yeah, that's more than I need to know, thanks. Also <laughs> joining us tonight from the Taylor Network, a podcast from uh, Yeah, I Said It, and uh, No Apologies, and Nothing's On, and uh, so many other great podcasts at the Taylor Network, a podcast is Mr. Daryl Taylor, the tycoon himself. How are you, sir? I'm good. Hello. And also joining us tonight, one of the godfathers of the HHWLOD Network, the uh the the man the myth the legend the breadmaster himself Mr. Frank Rincon thanks for joining us Frank my pleasure well well gents uh, again we had a good uh, another good week at DC TV let's jump right into Constantine uh, the episode was called the darkness beneath and in this episode Constantine is pulled to Western Pennsylvania near you know my neck of the woods uh, to a mining community where they may have dug a little too deep and found something they shouldn't have. Uh, we also get introduced to the character Zed Martin, who's going to be a major player in the uh, continuity going forward. Uh, what did you guys think of uh, the second episode of Constantine, The Darkness Beneath? I well, enjoyed it so far. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, someone, I forget who, posted on the, our Facebook page about it felt like another pilot. And it, I kind of got that feeling from it, too, which makes sense, considering what... what changes were made but uh, yeah, uh, I, I think I liked this better than the actual pilot itself. Angelica Celaya as a Zed Martin definitely has a lot more charisma is a lot more interesting. Chemistry with him too. And the chemistry between her and, and Matt Ryan is really good uh, as opposed to you know Baron Winter's daughter from the, the pilot for sure. Hey guys let, let, let me kind of jump jump in a little bit so why why did they end up changing actresses? They, uh, uh, they thought this character would be more interesting. Yeah. Uh, kind of uh, Zed Martin is more of a, a canon character from Constantine from the comics mm-hmm. anyway. The character um, if, uh, that they had from the, the pilot Baron Winter's daughter was just kind of, kind of very bland. It didn't have a lot of good chemistry with Matt Ryan as opposed to you know Angelica Sly as Zed Martin. I thought she did. You know, I thought they really, the two of them played well off each other uh, a lot, lot better than the other other uh, woman. I don't know if they did a test audience screening at Comic Con this summer or what it was exactly, but. 
I read somewhere that there was some feedback, a lot of feedback given at Comic-Con about the chemistry between the two of them and that character itself versus the character of Zed. Again, I don't know those characters like you do, but um, I can see just what we saw in the pilot where there was definitely not that. They weren't synced up. There wasn't... There wasn't anything to get excited about on screen with the two of them, whereas instantly when Matt Ryan bumps into her on the street, from that moment on, Zed and and Constantine, you know, are a perfect match. You can just tell. Well, there's a from the books, even from the books, when Constantine meets a, a woman, they aren't so wide eyed and innocent. Like they didn't, they don't tend to write them um, that way in the books. So Zed kind of has that feel of being in the world of of magic, a little bit more entrenched in it than than and more mature about it and accepting of it than how we got it. Usually in a pilot, they try to do the the audience gets to see through the eyes of a, a particular character, and then we see through that and. And I think that they tried that, and it just didn't it didn't work for this particular show, and they just had to switch it up. Yeah, those characters they usually they usually ask the questions that the audience ask. Um, but it it seems like a yeah, it seems like they want to go with a real kind of hit the ground running. I guess it sounds like it from you guys. I actually missed Constantine this week, so uh, so I'll be the ones asking the questions. I guess. Well, something that's, and you guys make a good point too. The um, the character of Zed is a lot more in tune with the character of Constantine. Constantine is, is weathered. He's kind of a con man. He's kind of a charlatan. Mm-hmm. And you know, Zed's kind of got that side to her too, even though she's more intuitive than Constantine is. And um, it, it, she's like I think Daryl, you were kind of saying it. You know that she seems more of Constantine's world than that wide-eyed kind of doe-eyed girl from the pilot. Who just kind of right. like, what? What's this? What's exactly. that? Exactly. You know? I mean, Zed seemed a little more um, street smart, a little more savvy. Like when she, she saved him, and which yeah. is something. Um, and and or when uh, she steals his wallet on the street when yeah. he's trying to con her to get away from her, and in the meantime, she's already stolen his wallet. You know, because bad things happen to people when they help Constantine. That's true, but they also have a past as well. Like it, it's not just you know he comes into their lives, they're innocent, and then you know he, something horrible happens as they try to help him. So I think they, you already have the guilt of what he did, you know, whatever he did um, that trapped that girl's soul down in hell. So to do that and add to it that he has to keep running and saving somebody, I think that the audience would get really tired of that quickly because we have it so much. We, we get that so much now that you kind of want to get away from the, the damsel in distress type of thing. We've, we've had that already. Right. I'm sorry, I just wanted to mention, and you're right, it totally doesn't fit with the kind of character Constantine is. It doesn't seem like he would waste his time with a fawning damsel in distress. You know, he, it, it doesn't seem congruous in any way. No. Having the redemption angle over what he did is good, and I could see that becoming tiresome as well. But, you know, I think what, what it lacks so far, and and it's perfectly excused too, uh, only two episodes in, but is we've yet to really, he doesn't have a quest or a mission yet, so to speak, other than his redemption. 
option. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, through the eyes of Zed and everything that's going on again, I don't know the characters like you do, but I just have a feeling that, that soon they'll get a quest, something that they need to take care of that might take one episode or, or several to complete the story arc, which is what I'm hoping for because yeah, problem of the week damsel in distress kind of thing that's going to burn this show out quickly and that's not constantine like even with that i don't even think they need to do that with the show like constantine adventures usually wind up being he wakes up oh shoot what happened uh you know like what what did i do now or what what person that i had dealings with back in the day because he's aged you know they let you know that he's an older character so that you know someone he's betrayed back in the day it goes after him to get revenge or something terrible happens in the beginning and you kind of get you kind of go with the story right from right from jump he's having to catch up and and outsmart somebody trying to kill him like it's not it's not he never had a story where he's i'm going to rescue or i'm going on a quest to do something is usually I have to save my soul or I have to try to survive because they're going to, you know, they're going to kill me. I'm dying of cancer. It's always something where he has to get out of it. And if somebody gets helped along the way, he's fine with that. But if they don't, he gets over it really quickly. Something we talked about last week um, was how how much they're going to have to change uh, what was in Constantine in the comic book to fit in a network you know, television format. Mm-hmm. And I hope they don't make it like, I got a real X-Files vibe from this episode. Yeah. You, you know, remind me of the outsider that. coming in to investigate weird goings on. Um, you know, like when he kept like, like when he slipped into the mine or when he slipped into the back of the house or whatever, it just mm-hmm. seemed like a very Mulder thing to do. But, um, I, I agree. Um, if they keep, you know, if they go freak of the week like that, and you know, have him investigating you know, thing after thing after thing, I think it's going to burn out fairly quickly. But I'm, I'm just... hoping, I'm hoping we see more of the storylines like Thierry was talking about, where he's fighting for his life and, and eternal damnation. Right. Usually, you know, by living only by, you know, only making it by the skin of his teeth and his wits. Usually, I'd, I'd really like to see more stories like that with an overarching, you know, um, you know, story maybe you know peppered through the entire season. Well, I'm surprised it, they didn't go with the cancer like... in in the beginning. Like, I, I'm very surprised that they just didn't do for his first season. His quest is to find a way to get out of dying because he, you know, he's sick from cancer or something like that. Like, how do I get out of that? How do I get my soul back? And that be the quest that he's on. Like, that fits him because he's selfish. He is selfish first. Right, and the storyline that the storyline that Daryl's referring to, if you want to check it out, it's called Dangerous Habits. Um, that's mm-hmm. also the name of the trade, Hellblazer Dangerous Habits. Uh, one of the better Hellblazer stories there are, and it, I, I agree that would make a great story for the show. I'm so surprised by that. Like, I going into it, I thought that they would go that route where something would happen, and he knows that if I'm dying, he already knew his soul is gone, but he knows that there are so many demons waiting to get him. If he goes to hell. So. Yeah. In fact, I remember in one story, the way he keeps out of hell is by promising his soul to two different demons. Yeah. In fact, infections in hell. And basically they don't want to go to war over one soul. So they leave him alone. Exactly. He made them have a stalemate and they had to leave him alone. That's his character in a nutshell. I mean, he, he lives by his wits, you know, always has an angle. 
He yeah. always has an anger. Yeah, exactly. No matter what. That's his superpower. <laughs> when shows first usually start to, especially of the action genre, it, it seems like they, they always lean towards the freak of the week. And I think that's just to kind of get audiences, new viewers, used to the world that, that, that they're living in. I'm sure we're going to get away from the, from the freak of the week, you know, after the first six episodes. Sounds like yeah. one of the other shows we'll be talking about today, Gotham. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. yeah that's true. Well, and and Daryl, maybe they they stayed away from that cancer storyline um, to distance themselves from the film. People that don't know Constantine know that film as the only reference. And you know, if I were starting to watch the TV show and they started with that storyline, I'd probably not give it much of a chance because that movie was terrible. Yeah, I mean, it, I didn't. I don't really hate the film, but it wasn't Constantine. But even that whole thing, it's like I, you know, like I, I think to take that away from him because that's how it started. To take him away, take that jeopardy, because that showed you to have that in the story in the beginning. That kind of showed you. As we read the story, this is who he is. This is a guy that he's not concerned with uh, some evil entity coming and taking people's souls or uh, preventing people from getting hurt. No. His thing is he likes to go to pubs. He likes to drink. He likes to listen to certain types of music. He likes to hang out. He likes to dabble in in, uh, magic. And because of what he's done, he deals in dark stuff, and because of that, there there's pr- a price to it, and and he is always wanted by these demons. His he's always they're always undercurrent. There's always an undercurrent when he's doing something. Of there are a whole bunch of demons ready, begging for him to come down there so that they could make him suffer more than they would anyone else. Because he's hated that much. Because he's outsmarted them at their own game, usually. I mean, think about it this way, okay? Think about all the huge mistakes you made during your 20s and teens. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine if you made all those huge mistakes, you know, involving devils, demons, and agents of hell. (laughs) I mean, Constantine is like the eternal metaphor for dealing with your own youth and your own youthful uh, indiscretions. I mean, Mm -hmm. even the episode, you know, even the storyline that um, Daryl is referring to, Dangerous Habits, where, you know, I mean, he's paying for a lifetime of smoking and abusing his body, you know. so I mean, it's like, it's, like, it's almost like the metaphor for for you know paying for your paying for your youth, as it were. But I really hope they delve more into that and they they yeah. get more to the core of the character like that, rather than having him being like. I mean, if he's gonna just gonna go investigate from town to town like all these different weird things, he might as well be just be grim. He's know? like a Wolverine, like how Wolverine is set up in the books, where he knows he seems to know everyone in every part of town and every country. He always has connections, even if they hate him or they say they hate him. Like Constantine was first with that. Like the, in the book in the beginning, you you know that he knew a lot of people. Most of them hated him because after a while he betrayed them somehow. But he he had a connection that this guy, this was a, a older guy who was a man of the world. Like as soon as he got old enough, he went out and and did a lot of things, the probably things that he shouldn't have done. But he also he is also charismatic that even when there are people that hate him so much, especially women that he's dealt with, even when he's betrayed them and lied and all these things, when they have to deal with him, 
there's always an undercurrent of I hate you so much and I really hate that I'm still attracted to you. <laughs> like there for some reason I still listen. Like they still listen to this guy, even though he's already bit you earlier in your life. And yet and still he's that charismatic that they still gravitate towards this guy. And like that's what I'm not getting yet. That part of him is not in the in the story yet. And that can come at any time. But we just don't get that yet. That sounds like classic Frank. Yep, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> Burned down my house, but gosh darn it, I love this guy. He's so cute. <laughs> it's all right. He didn't mean it. I thought it was interesting that uh, in the in the cast, uh, Ellis was played by James LaGrosse, who's been around forever. He was in Drugstore Cowboy. He was in Enemy mm-hmm. of the State, Point Break. Real recognizable uh, actor. Um, I love the shower sequence at the beginning. Oh, yeah. That was just, it reminded me kind of of Squirm or some other things. But then uh, the main plot with the, the thing in the mind, and Daryl, see if you can back me up here and follow my train of thought, reminded me of an original Star Trek episode, um, Devil in the Dark. Yes. About the creature oh. that, you know, no-kill eye. You know, they, they're like yes. mining on the alien planet, and they find the... But it just it reminded me very much of that. But, it um, did have that kind of... Because, it, yeah, it had that minor world and those little creatures down there. And it, it freaked you out, too. Those little freaky things. Right. It did have that. They, like, they kept the The horror is great. Like, they, they did a good job of capturing how horrific his world is. Yeah, part of me was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see the entity. But now I kind of get, you know, at the very end, I'm like, oh, okay, it makes more sense. But, you know, I thought what it was leading up to was some sort of large demonic creature, not the souls of the killed miners. So, but it was still interesting. I just, I was waiting for a big, bad demon looking thing. Well, they have to be careful with that because he can't face big demons too many times because after a while it's like, you're just going to fight Satan and that'd be it. Like, you know, you really have to make it like little, you know, make them smaller. They're deadly, but they're smart, and you have to. And he has to be smarter. Eh, Buffy knocked out a dozen demons a week. No big deal. So, well, what did you guys think overall of the second episode of Constantine? Yay or nay? I say yay for this one. I too say yay. I, I, I like I said, I liked it better than the pilot. I enjoyed it too. I thought it was pretty good. I really like the character Zed. I think she's going to bring a lot to it. I'm looking more forward to seeing uh, the upcoming episodes. We'll talk about it in the news later, but he's going to be running into Papa Midnight pretty soon, which is a pretty cool character. So uh, we had some, uh, uh, in our Facebook group, we had some comments on Constantine too. And if you would like to join our Facebook group, we'd be happy to have you as DC TV podcast on the Facebooks. It's very popular with the young people. And uh, we had some comments about Constantine. Adam Fatah, uh, a frequent uh, email writer for Nothing's On, a TV podcast uh, that Daryl and I do with Donnie Salvo, uh, said the second episode felt like it was redoing the pilot. Yeah, this is the comment we referred to before. Yeah. Um, I, give, I will give Constantine several more episodes to hook me. Uh, Sean Rogers, our friend from down south. Uh, so far, the series a good B grade. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that's a letter grade rather than you know saying it's like B grade or whatever. Right. And Michael Cook, uh, I really liked the first episode. The second felt like a step backward, but I'm very excited to see how they introduce Papa Midnight. Yeah, I am too. Okay. Like anybody knew that he knows, I I wanted I wanted to see those interactions. Question for you guys that read the comic. Um, 
were those images in Zed's little gallery? Were those things like from covers or anything like that? Little Easter egg? Were there any little Easter eggs in there, or was it just kind of drawings? Some of those drawings were based on covers from the comic. Yeah. I, I recognize some of them. I don't write some, and then not others because it's been yeah, like I say, literally years, over ten years as I've read some of those early, early issues. Anyway, when she walks out the front door to go first meet Constantine, I notice the um, the one drawing like right above the door is like really iconic drawing of of Constantine from one of the trades. I think from might even be from Hellblazer number one or whatever, just him standing there in a trench coat. Um, I, oh, I, I think it is. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was from the original Hellblazer number one. But uh, if I were to go back and, and you know, um, you know, free, free streaming on the on the Hulu or the DVR, I could probably pick out more. But there were definitely some references to um, other, you know, other Constantine stories and, and uh, comic covers in there for sure. Yeah, she cool. was. I, what I like about Zed too is she was just smart, and she his crap. She took a you know, like she knew she could see right through his crap a lot of times. And he needs somebody like that to be around him. Right. And I, and I kind of, to the point where she even one-upped him a few times. Like, he was really thrown off by uh, how well she knew him. Like, how, like, she really, some people you meet, you just kind of, you just know them. It's right. Somehow, and they have that uh, kind of thing about her. And she has this kind of, just a sexiness to her, too. Like, just like he is. Uh, you know, like Constantine is is attractive to strangers, like the, constantly getting them to talk to him and and get it in to move around in different circles and stuff like that. That's Constantine, and she also, you know, is able to move around in circles too. So it, it, they picked the person that's good for that. Like she, you want to get to know her, you want to talk to her, and and you don't think of her as somebody who's you know. As is a grifter, you don't think of her as a grifter, but she is. Like when she does, when she pulls the trick on you, you go, "Damn it, you just you just manipulated me." Like there are a few <laughs> scenes where he was like, "Wait a minute, I'm supposed to be manipulating yeah. you." Well, Constantine is used to being three steps ahead of everyone else, and he finds someone who actually can get ahead of him. That's rare. Yeah. So that's why I thought you know the the characters work a lot better together than you know him being. Having to constantly explain someone something to a wide-eyed innocent mm-hmm. like the you know, the in the pilot. Exactly. Okay, guys, uh, we're gonna go to a show that all of us have seen, and I I don't know if you guys agree, but I think this is the best episode of this series so far. Oh, if you're talking about Gotham, I Gotham. you are correct, sir. Gotham, <laughs> Penguin's Umbrella is the name of the episode, and uh, I think it's the best one we've had. This is the episode that got me excited for the series. Like this was the game changer episode. But you needed I what I, but you needed the other episodes that we got to get to this. It wouldn't have mattered as much. Yeah, that's true. And the payoff at at the end was it just made it made everything that we've experienced that much richer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I even liked Fish Mooney in this episode. Hey, Which, only her friends get to call her fish. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, I think she, I, I don't know what the difference is exactly, but her character just felt like it made more sense. She well, didn't have a red that, shirt now. Yeah, <laughs> she, she, she didn't use that ridiculous voice very much. You know, she was, she was very, very, very good in, in, in the scene, which are in the scenes that she was in. So that's telling me she's probably about to go if I'm starting to like her. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, we kind of expected her to go at some point because, I mean, Fish Mooney does not loom large in the, in the Batman mythos. No. No. <laughs> continuity need, that we know of. Right, and you need somebody. Um, Mahoney needs to be able to take out somebody for, you know, the kind of not to forget that he is who he is. And you can't do, and you don't want to have him taking out a whole bunch of characters that are in the comic and you know they're in, they're there when Batman arrives. So you don't. You know, Do you so think you he's taking him out or taking her out? Because I kind of get the foreshadowing that Penguin would be the one to take her out. Yeah. I well, guess for Maroney, yeah. But, well, either way. Or, I mean, well, a- is it really, though? I mean, we find out at the end that who Penguin is, like, he's a double-double agent, kind of. You know, he's right. actually... He is. You know, he's yeah. actually been snitching for Falcone this whole time. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that scene early on where Fish is like, you know, he's acting like he knows something no one else knows. He does. He knows the fish and Nikolai are plotting against him, you know, and he Penguin is, you know, manipulates Maroney perfectly to take out Nikolai, you know, but hey, let's let's go hit Falcone and in the process, you know, take out the Russian. And you're thinking Falcone is going crazy, like the the, the birds and the like, (laughs) why is he so calm and like making that girl make all those muffins? Yeah, it's like because he knows fool. So uh, what? Um, was there like a hidden meaning behind the uh, the coop and the chickens? Did I miss something there? I just and think it, was it... A, it seemed like an advantageous place for him and Cobblepot to meet right. where they could be alone. I mean, we right. saw that at the very end. That's all I could really see. Yeah, but it... you know, he's he find he's in that warehouse and and he's just looking. He's with that farmer and he's talking about chickens. It just felt like there there's some type of metaphor I'm missing or or some type of Easter egg that I'm missing. Well, it's even with some... the birds, it's it, you have penguin who he set out like I mean I know the penguin's not a bird like a bird per se, but kind of. I mean, they could have done whole... pigeons. They could have done something else. Chickens just. Seemed like an odd choice to me. It, it also reminded me very. It kind of got like, you, know, you know Marlon Brando in the Garden in the Godfather vibe. That's what I got from it. Like, you know he, what I mean, it kind of reminded me of that. Like, you know, this he'd... killer, this dude who is a killer. Like, um, the whole thing of uh, even with the Kingpin's son liking roses, or the Kingpin being interested in something that is so far away from known for being, you know, the big gangster, and he cares about little animals or something. Like that's in his free t- in his spare time. That's what he does. I mean, that's kind of the the thing that they've done with gangsters for for years. Yeah. Well, he's it's it's his hobby, you know. And you know, I mean, haven't you heard? Bird, 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 is a bird. Oh man! You should have stopped this, Jim. I was going to say like, that even goes further back to the storytelling, like to samurai. You know, they have their ruthless killers on the battlefield, but yet they, you know. You know, do calligraphy or you know raise pigeons or whatever. Flowers, uh, yes, yeah, flowers or whatever. You know. Hitler painted. Yeah, yeah it, it goes all of that. It all fits into liking art. Like you're a murderer, but you love art. Like it's just or opera or you know, like it just seemed like that. It's just so. Uh, it's just so. It's the way that they the makeup of of kingpins have been that. So you have this, and then you have kind of have it where he set Penguin free out in the world to get information to fly back to him and give him all the info he needs. 
Like, he is his little bird, his little stew pigeon that he sent out there. Yeah, you see, I, that's why I think I, I wish they had been, like, pigeons. I mean, yeah, maybe that would have yeah. been on the nose. But just chickens just seem odd to me. I mean, I, I get what you're saying about the whole artist having, you know, loving art, having something small to take care of or or to respect or, or to be involved with. It's a, uh, and that's why I'm questioning it. I'm just questioning the whole, why a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. in the middle of a city, a pigeon would have made more sense to me. It, it makes total sense, though, why you kept that young girl uh, at arm's length. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. obviously, oh, yeah. you know, that's, that's Fish and Mooney's thing. Oh, and um, I, I'm about to blow everyone's mind here. You ready? Uh-oh. The actor that played uh, Victor Zaz in mm-hmm. this episode of Gotham was the exact same actor who played Kyle Nimbus, The Mist, in The Flash. Oh, is shoot. that not crazy? That uh, I, same I, crazy I, dude. His name, the, <laughs> the, the actor's name is Anthony Kerrigan. He played both roles. Oh damn! Was he also one of the others or whatever from Fringe? I, don't. I you know, it's he reminds me. He doesn't. He doesn't have a credit for Fringe on here. Okay, because he just reminds me of September a lot. I know it's not him, but I was thinking maybe he was one of the other ones, but. When it comes to cra- crazy DC characters, I guess this guy's trying to corner the market. Uh, I really liked his portrayal of Zaz, uh, especially when he walked into the police <laughs> station. Uh-huh. I'm just here for one guy. <laughs> it's just a, a set of balls on that guy. Like he, a very Tarantino type moment. Yeah, it it yeah. really was a get. It you know what this this made it go a level up with being a gangster movie. It, it felt like a gangster movie where we really do own this city. And then everybody, you know, and Jim Gordon's like, there's 50 cops in this room. Try something. And then he says, please clear the room. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Gordon's the only one left. It just, it reminded me of like High Noon or something. Just very uh, classic kind of uh, confrontation scene. It's really, really good. I thought it was well, really well done. And, and that, scene, that scene really did surprise me because I thought the cops were all going to stand up against, like look at each other and all stand up against no, uh, I knew they I weren't going to do him. that. Uh, I, no, I, they're I, too I, corrupt. <laughs> well, what I think it, this this episode is doing also is, you, by the time Gordon is becomes Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, he has earned the respect of even the, the crooked cops because they've seen him do some things and survive. And you have to... Um, you got to kind of set it up like this, this, you know, Gordon's like a lone cop and he comes in and he, he basically went against, you know, the, the guy that owned the city and he's still alive now. Like that changes things. I think the way that other cops are going to look at him. You would like, almost have to. Ab- I mean, yeah. He, what is it about this guy? Like what, what is he it went about to go serve guy? arrest warrants on the mayor, Falcone and Mar- yeah. and, Marone, and then lived to tell the tale. Like even if they even if he didn't arrest these guys, still he was a pain in the behind and he was annoying to this to this Falcone who killed people for for less than that, and he's still walking around and he still gets to be a cop. Like that has to say to some people, wait a minute, like hold on, like how's this dude that just got here last week? (laughs) (laughs) He's still alive. And I'm a veteran, and I'm scared to even, you know, go down the wrong area if they tell me I can't go down that area. Like, that, like, and I think in this one episode, you, you brought 
Jim closer to Montoya and uh, and uh, Christmas Allen and Christmas and yeah. Bullock yeah. and, and it, Bullock. How about the scene in the locker room where Bullock yeah. has a gun? They've got that guns pulled uh, guns pulled on each other. Yeah. Yeah, that really was well done. Pretty... And then when he comes back later, and he's like, you know, I don't know what the hell you're playing about. Back your play because you're crazy and you're tough and you know all this other stuff. And he's like, I'm gonna go arrest, uh, you know, I'm gonna go arrest the mayor and Falcone. And he's like, that's a really stupid plan, but okay. He finally just said F it. Like he's like, yep. I, you know, like I, he did, he looked in the mirror and he doesn't know. He doesn't like what he saw. And I think it harkens back to the Bullock of old. I mean, his old partner last episode called him the White Knight. Mm-hmm. He kind of probably has still some of that in in him, you know. Well, he's still paying for that guy to be there, so he does have that in him. But I think he's like even it even goes with the alcohol, like trying to drink it away. Like he wanted to be a good cop, and it freaking probably kills him a part of him that he can't be, like he that he has to to hide who he really wants to be, and now he's the angry lazy you know that's how he's betrayed he's the angry lazy drunk cop i i agree with that a hundred percent and i think that in 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 addition to that he's kind of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel uh for his situation because he's now got someone whether he likes it or not that is a role model for him who is also navigating through the uh, negativity and the corruptness Mm -hmm. that's within not just the police department but the city officials the city government as a whole and this guy is just you know like you said you know no fear just going out he's snapped and he is just going to take care of business and if he has to you know cut a few corners or you know uh do a few things that wouldn't exactly be up and up he's going to do it but he is going to find ways to do it without compromising his own integrity and morals and bullock is not yet verbalized but you can just tell that he is seeing jim through respectful eyes now rather than just this mm-hmm. goody two shoes who thinks he knows everything. So, you know, and, 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 and the other thing with Gordon too, is he's kind of become a wild card as far as the Falcons and the Maronis and the fish moonies and all that are concerned. Because when you have somebody that just does not display the fear that they're used to striking into people's hearts, especially those that they're greasing the palms of it the, in the city government and in the police department, that craziness is going to kind of give them the impression that this guy, there's something about him we need to figure out. So it's kind of giving Gordon a little leeway to navigate through the the different organizations uh, as he has. And I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying he's not afraid. He's definitely afraid, but um, he's able to manage his fear and overcome it so that he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish with the Gotham government and these crime syndicates. But I still, I still think I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Daryl. I just, I I still think he's being played like a violin though by the penguin. And I'll tell you why. I mean, we go, we we get the flashback scene with Falcone when he's like, you know, make sure that it's Jim Gordon that gets ordered to kill me because I know he won't do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I still think everything that's gone on as far as Falcone letting him live and everything we're going to end up seeing, is just another part of, you know, penguins rise to power. Um, just yeah. based on what we've seen but uh, so far. But go ahead, Daryl. I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying that even when we 
we find out why uh, Falcone doesn't kill Gordon, it's not because what we assume, like, we would want to assume, like, I know I did, that, oh, maybe Falcone looked at him and was like, you know what? I kind of like this guy. I'm not going to kill him. I- I'm enjoying this guy. No, it wasn't that, because he was like, you know what? We should kill this guy. He's getting on my nerves. It's the penguin that co-signed and said, no, you know, sir, maybe not, you know, please don't. He's still it's part useless. of my plan. Yeah, he's still used to. So it's, it, they didn't even fall into that cliche of, you know, the, the gangster uh, likes the good, the only good cop in town. And he won't kill that good cop until the final showdown when he when he's just tired of it and he and he goes to kill him and then he takes it and the good guy takes out the the bad guy it wasn't even that because he in a whim he was ready to kill jim and all of them he was like i'm done i don't really need them it's just that if it wasn't for the penguin that's the only reason why he's still alive is because of the penguin and i guess falcone sees potential in in the penguin he he sees someone that that because his plans were fruition. That that's what yeah. he saw. Like all the little things worked that he was yeah, telling. This, this, yeah, this guy is. He's. You can tell he's like this guy is going to be someone, and I need to back him. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he makes himself. He ingratiates himself to Maroni by knowing enough of Falcone's uh, setup that he knows where to hit him where it hurts. And he ingratiated himself to Falcone by actually being his mole in the in the Moronians, you know, um, family. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, playing, he's playing both ends against one another, obviously. And you know, I think part of that uh, is definitely going to have to be you know, revenge on Fish for the way he treated, um, you know, she has treated him over the course of the episodes. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, the, you know, she smacks him down here. You know, in this episode, mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot of like really good, uh, you know, um, scenes, character scenes in this. Um, the the scene with Moroni and Falcone when they meet on the waterfront and they discuss the terms, you know, uh, the scene where Gordon comes and finds the, uh, Mooney's two goons, you know, holding Barbara hostage, and mm-hmm. ends up just taking him out, you know. So I mean, we see how tough and crazy he can be, you know. We just like all these really great scenes thrown together. I really, I, I thought this episode was just top notch. I really enjoyed it a lot. And Barbara well, had to get her, had to had to get her come up. It's too because she didn't want to uh, she didn't understand or she refused to understand how dangerous the situation was and yeah, because yeah. of that she put him in a situation that made it worse than mm-hmm. it ever could have been and now she gets it now when he tells her i want you to go and hide in the closet and be quiet she's not going to go but why <laughs> but why <laughs> She'll just she'll be in the closet and and she'll be oh, quiet yeah. because she knows now because she lived a life that she didn't have to worry about any of that crime and she didn't you know people wouldn't kill her you know because she was who she was she had that privilege and now um, she's she's the the veil has been taken off and now she's she knows she, Gotham is not a, a place to where you're safe I don't care who you are who the elite is. There are things that are happening, and when you you put me in bad situations, you tie my hands, and you get you put me in a in a place where I could be killed because of you, because I have to protect you. So I think that this was her, you know, even when she's apologizing, I think that this was what she needed to see, and this is what she needed to experience um, for their relationship to get better. 
Well, and to your uh, point about no one's no one's safe in Gotham. Mm-hmm. I mean, above her, the elite of the elite in Gotham, the Waynes, were murdered in cold blood in an alley. So she should realize just from that that there's no one that is protected. Not really, no because she's like, anything. I'm not a Wayne. She's like, I'm not big. I'm not a big, you know, like somebody in society who's big and important. I don't think she felt, I think she felt like I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I have money and I, you know, I have uh, some type of status, but I'm not, I'm not someone who would even make any of the people that would want to do these things. They wouldn't even want to bother with me because I'm not important enough. I don't, I don't ruffle feathers for them to want to do these things. So I, so I'm safe. I'm one of the safe citizens. I don't, I'm, I should be. You know, okay, I should be able to do these things. Why would they want to kill me when I want to talk to them and 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 uh, complain about things that are happening? I think she she has that mentality until now, until the knife is to your throat, and you have the guy that gives you that look like I'm going to do so many horrible things to you, and I'm going to enjoy it. Like, and you're one step away from being killed, and on top of it, because you came back. I'm going to kill the the man that you love also. And you're going to get him killed because you came back and he told you not to. Like that that all added to what she yeah. went The the scene where uh or it was nice to see uh uh Crispin and Montoya kind of I don't know if they really apologized to Gordon, but they Montoya does. Mon- yeah. Montoya does, yeah, and it's it's nice to see that they are on Gordon's side. Too. I mean, they they really want the city to work right and and to be on the side of good. And even though it's a it's a battle that they know will be hard and may never win, at least mm-hmm. at least they're trying. And and they found someone in Gordon, and I guess in Bullock too. Plus, I really like those. Brother, I really man. like those characters, I, especially you know. I I'm gonna I think I liked them a lot better. Uh, with them and Gordon and Bullock being on the same side than, than being adversaries. So. Yeah. Well, they have a brotherhood now that, that is, that's right. formed now. Like, it's only us. Because <laughs> nobody else you saw, no one else tried to help us. It was only us. And then from there, I, and I think from there, when other things happen, I think he might earn loyalty from a few other cops that kind of was in the same predicament is Bullock where they wanted to be good cops but everybody else was telling them that's not what we want you know take this money be quiet or we will kill you so they take the money they lose a bit of their soul and they you know they sit in this on the sidelines but I think you know as they see other you know they see these cops come in and and start to become good cops I think that that will inspire some of them to also kind of go to Jim's side at least I think I hope that they start to do that like you start to see a few cops kind of give him a little respect a little bit or you know at least whisper like I know some information you might need like I can't help you because I'm still scared but you know I, I, I know some info I'll let you know this info or whatever you know even his boss was like she had a new respect for him now mm-hmm. where she she was like wow this guy's still alive Yep. Well, having having the ability to be a natural leader and to lead through the corruption and lead through all of this uh, um, 
shady dealings that are going on between all these different crime uh, groups, everything uh, with the government, um, to be able to lead others and not get caught up in that corruption. That's, I mean, that's ultimately why he does eventually become Commissioner Gordon. What and and awesome. you know, so I mean, it's good to see that what you were talking about, Daryl. And mm-hmm. I, I agree. I want to. I want to see that continue. I want to see more of them come to his side. Um, and and it, you know, I don't want it to be too quick of a process, but no, I, I definitely would little. like to see it. You know, little by little. Yep. Well, I think the same way Batman. Uh, inspired people to to look up to him and follow him. It's the same thing Gordon did in the police force. Also, he's still alone, and and even in this this whole episode, he he knew that he would be you know like even after everything that happened, he still stood up even though he was by himself and he was getting shot at. He was getting like these people were coming at him. This was it for him. And he still didn't back down. He still stood up. And I think that inspires, that makes people look to you for leadership also. But because you stand up when no one else is standing with you. Because sometimes it's easy to stand up when it's like 40 people behind you ready to go. But when it's just you by yourself, you're the army of one. And you still stand up. I think that's the thing that kind of will get to some of these cops. And they have he, to really he was go. Very wow. Serpico in that scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. very Serpico. It was, and that's yeah. what kind of that's what Gordon was. He was Serpico at a time when there was no, you know, no one wanted to do the right thing. He was it, and then Batman came. But he was do, but he was still a good cop before Batman got there, and we need to see that. Cool. So uh, everybody, Gotham Penguins umbrella. I'm guessing yay on every on everyone. Oh, yeah. Oh yay. my gosh, it was a huge, huge thumbs up, yay, great episode. And don't come to, to, to Bruce Wayne's house when you're not invited, because uh, Alfred ain't no joke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Alfred's the best, man. Don't come that to was... my house. He's like, oh, okay, sir. When he ended it with sir, he was, but he had that tone, like, look, <laughs> don't come rolling up in here. And, I and you don't tell me what's going on. Now that we ain't going to do that. That's not happening. You know, I've been here messing up my couch like Rick James. <laughs> Shoot, I might act like the butler, but oh wait, hold on now. That's not what my job was. I didn't. I didn't grow up being a butler. Not only was this episode a yay for me, but I have to echo the sentiment you said at the beginning, Jim, and that is that this is probably the best episode of the season so far, the series so far, um, playing off of last week because last week was the best episode of the series so far for me last week and this just this this topped it in many ways i mean everything that we've talked about down to the little little things like penguin and his walk with the umbrella he's embraced that he walks funny (laughs) now he's embraced the penguin you know and some of the looks on his face man are just so creepily evil that i mean just watching television television a network show i got chills you know i'm just like man that dude is is effed up crazy i absolutely i absolutely love that scene where he stabbed maroney second in command slowly yes and he explains (laughs) to him that you know his problem was he was he was too cheap 
Yeah. And all he did was had to pay these guys a little bit more, you know, 20 or 30% pay raise, and and now you're going to die, you know? Because you were too cheap. And how many of us were like, why the hell did the Penguin come back so early? Yeah, this makes I was, no sense. How many of us? I was one of them. Like, yep, yep. it made no yeah, sense. Yeah. Oh, they should have played that out a little more, but no, now we know why. Why did you do that? I mean, and this totally, this totally does it. This totally makes you go, oh, that's, you, you know what? Okay. That's storytelling I like. Like, I didn't see that coming. That, uh, the, the, the episode was just good to begin with. Uh, but that last scene where you, uh, that sets everything up, that you, gives you the backstory, just was, you know, it was already a home run. So I don't know what that makes a, a double super home run. I don't know. But it was just like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I was excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flashback scene, like, definitely made it. Because, you know, after seeing that, a lot of things, you know, that didn't make sense. All of a sudden, just everything clicked. Uh, we also had some comments on the Facebook group for Gotham. Uh, we uh, Michael Myers from the DC Noise podcast, the uh, Geek Brunch Retrocast, and a lot of other great podcasts. The, the ambassador of comics, um, Michael Myers. For me, this is my favorite show of the DC series this season. Uh, the reason is it builds every episode on top of the previous, and each one I love more than the previous. The acting is so damn good. I agree with that. I mean, like like uh, Rich was saying before, you know, if we hadn't had the setup from last week, this wouldn't have paid off as, as sweetly as it did. Oh, yeah. Um, Philip Hurd, a uh, frequent contributor. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the last two episodes have really turned it up a notch. I'm enjoying the show more. The GCPD need to take shooting lessons from the folks on The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, they were like sure. stormtroopers or something. I don't know. They couldn't hit nothing. I sure didn't. <laughs> 4.5 out of 5 commando butlers. Uh, Adam Fatah, uh, this is Gotham's best episode. It felt like a season finale. I will give it 4.5 out of 5 stars. It did. Uh, it did. A lot happened. You know, It was, it was pretty uh, action-heavy. Uh, Chris Campbell from the Valiant Podcast and uh, a bunch of others. Um, and, and no apologies. Uh, part of the No Apologies crew as well. Um, best episode by far. Yeah, I agree, Chris. Definitely the best episode. And once again, our friend from down south, Sean. Uh, at this point, I grade the series a C. Hmm, I guess, you know, overall, I guess, you know, you take something as cool as this, but then you wait against the Balloon Man episode, maybe. <laughs> not, not impressed yet. Yeah, not, not, maybe he's, yeah, he's still not passing. impressed. It's still passing, though. That, yeah. That counts. <laughs> yeah. C does pass. Even, even people who graduate with a C out of medical school are still doctors. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't operate on anybody that I love. (laughs) Or me. Or me. You know, being that we didn't get Flash this week, which is, you know, because of politics, uh, I did get to see, this is kind of geek-related, a couple episodes of Selfie, which which is Catherine Gillian from it, who was a former companion to Doctor Who. Uh-huh. And uh, I have to say that show is to me, it's pretty cute. It's, it's fun. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I guess, I guess, you know, it's not a great show, but uh, Catherine Gillian definitely makes that show for me. Karen Gillan. Yeah. That's Amy though. That's, that's uh yeah. Amy Pond. Yeah. 
I feel that she's taken a step down, but that's just me. I, I do love her, but I, I don't care about Selfie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't either. And if you'd like to hear the longer of her explanation of that, we did talk about Selfie on the Nothing's On podcast with Donnie <laughs> um, when, it, when it came out because we saw the pilot and had some choice words for that. Yeah. So check that out if you're interested in Selfie or Karen Gillan uh, when she's not dressed in blue skin as Nebula. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And speaking of uh, speaking of women who have had vast ma- uh, uh, drastic makeovers, <laughs> the secret origin of Felicity Smoke, Ooh. Uh, episode oh, five. Uh... Now we have not in any way made it uh, been shy about our love for this character and uh, yeah. and Emily Beck Ricard who plays her. Um, yeah, you know, we are a big fan of Felicity, and we get to see goth Felicity in her college days. <laughs> And and I don't so know, real just real so quick hot. guys. Did you ever yes. see the did you ever see the movie Hackers? Yes. With Angelina yes. Jolie. Sure did. That opening yes. scene, I was totally getting that vibe. I know where you're going. Yeah, I was like, yeah. ooh, a fifty six K modem. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't get that as much as I did the movie Sneakers. You remember that one? Yeah, That's what that I was too. thinking of right. at the beginning. If they, had skateboard, of if they had skateboards, it could have been hackers. It really could have. So um, we get to see Felicity's past of five years ago, uh, uh, and when she's a, uh, a hacktivist, you know, kind of a, a well-meaning cyber terrorist uh, with her, her her boyfriend, who ends up going to jail for it. And I, did you guys were you guys fooled at all by the twist in this episode? No, nope. uh, I was coming. No. I didn't care. Was watching Felicity. Yeah, I, yeah, same thing. I did not care either. Uh, you know. The whole thing when she said he was dead, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, how many people on this show have been dead and come back? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, when that happens, I was hoping they'd do something weird like, uh, you know, Mama Smoke had something to do with it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the way it was going for a little bit, but I, I, the way that they tied her involvement in, her unknowing involvement in, I thought was pretty well done. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed that that was really nice. I thought for a mo- for a little while, I thought maybe uh, mama was actually a lot smarter and she was the hacktivist. She was the one behind it. So I'm glad that wasn't the case because that would have felt just very cheese y Also, Brendan Routh is like the most understanding boss in the world. He sure is. <laughs> Cause I'd be like, yeah. you know, I need a sick day to go hang out with my mom. You take okay. one more call. You take one more call. You're out of here. You know, though, I I just, I, from the smug look on his face all the time, yet the goody two-shoes, he's a good guy, I get the feeling that he, he really knows that there is something deeper, something's up, and she's the key to it. He and does. and that's why he's putting up with it so much. Not to mention, I mean, like... Um, um, uh, detect not Detective Lance. Now he's Captain Lance. Yeah, yeah. Um, like he he said to her over the phone, "Is there's no one in this city that has the skill with hacking computers or working computers or whatever it is?" He said, "Like you do. You're our, you know basically you're our only hope." She is Obi Wan of this episode. Well, well, it's her, own, it's her own virus that the guy uses to make every all that stuff happen. You yeah, know, he, like turns his. You know, her, he turns her own, like, uh, greatest achievement, I guess, against her, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, he, Very he Frankenstein. Remember, he's, he's a genius, too. Um, the, uh, you know, Brandon Ralph's character is a genius also. And you leave footprints. 
when you do things. Like, you know, every genius, every hacker or whatever has a certain footprint of, of what when they do or fingerprint when they when they create something or or you know. And he knows a fingerprint already. Now, I was kind of hoping, because I was like, what is going to happen with the smartwatch? And when they got tied up uh, towards the end there with the whole brother eye, who was very much a ripoff of uh, Sauron, the eye of Sauron. But anyway, um, (laughs) I thought, well, right when Felicity's like, oh, it has Wi-Fi, when she was going to start hacking, I was expecting the Atom to walk through the door. I really was. I just... Oh, really? I don't know. I I, (laughs) I was I was thinking he did that whole thing with the watch to kind of track what's going on, mm-hmm. and he here he comes to save the day. But you know, I mean, I was happy with how it turned out. It's just I I'm really anxious to see him as that character. Brand, so Brandon Ralph he uh, he tweeted a picture of himself today from uh, mm-hmm. from the set of Arrow, and it was just him in a in a cast, so you couldn't see or uh, a mask cast so you couldn't mm-hmm. see what what uh what was underneath it but do you think that's uh do you guys think that's going to be the atom do you think we're going to see the atom before the end of the year well maybe they're surprising us because they made such a big deal about saying that they're not going to do they're not going to have any meta humans this season on arrow they were going to be on flash but that could just all be a you know, just to throw us off. Oh, and don't forget the two shows are crossing over in just a few episodes from now. They're crossing over in the seventh episode. And so. and and uh, and I mean, Ed, the Atom is not a metahuman. He's a scientist. He uses technology to shrink down. So he's not a metahuman. Well, not a well meta- and not well, to mention too the the whole crossover with Flash, like Jim was referring to, but. Flash has become such a runaway smash hit from the from the pilot episode mm-hmm. that you know maybe they're taking cues of we need to include more of this into the Arrow. They're in the same universe. They're six hundred miles away from each other. You know it would only make sense that you know that Ollie is going to deal with some of the meta. Yeah. Well, they they sure they're part of the not having well them saying they're not having meta is that their their budget was cut. For Arrow. Okay. I'm glad you said that because to me, the stunt work for this season on Arrow has seemed to be subpar from mm-hmm. what it was last Earlier, season. Yeah. Well, it, it just, it was noticeable to me. TV is weird because it's, it's the thing where you get punished for doing, it's like, it's like jobs, it's like our jobs. Like when you, if you finish a task very quickly and well, then they go, oh, then that means it doesn't mean that you're a great worker. That means we can give you more work. <laughs> and yeah. Now, hasn't your... there been hasn't there been an uptick on the ratings though this season? You know, especially coupling it with Flash and whatnot. There has actually there. Yeah. They, there's been a, um, uh, last week we were, as we reported on the podcast there was a, there was a twelve percent increase and then this week it jumped it. There was another nineteen percent. So, but so they may be rethinking their budget for the future episodes yet to be recorded. Maybe because usually the deal is they know that they're with with good ratings. They know that they're going to be able to do more. They think of it as we can do more with less. Yeah, we can still get the audience that we need, which means we can still raise the revenue from the commercials, and yet we can keep the budget 
in fact, cut it even short, hit it a little bit less if we have yeah, to. Yeah, but then you spend half a season searching for Sophia. So they need to learn a lesson. Well, Arrow there. don't have to worry about that. Like, Arrow's pretty much been progressively, you know, we're in a direction, we move in that direction, and we go. They don't have the luxury of the, you know, sitting around. And, and they learned their lesson from that with AMC, because you can't do that with a Walking Dead show. You got to have zombies. You you can't you can't just you know not have that on the show when the whole point you know like most of it is about the horrific world of walking zombies so it's a little different than Arrow. Right. Arrow is kind of like more vigilantes. You can kind of play with that. You can have people fighting. They already have their crew and their stunt people already there, and you know so you don't have to to do too many guest stars and all that kind of stuff. Like they're, they're pretty, I'm just working. saying you, you get what you pay for. It's true, but TV's always done it. I mean, they, that's always been their thing. Supernatural is another thing that they've done that with too, where it doesn't matter that they got ratings or their ratings held or they got better or whatever. It's just, we're going to reward you by giving you another season and taking away your budget. You're gonna <laughs> cut your budget some more. Oh, and people are still watching? We're going to cut your budget a little bit more than that next season. And that's just the way, you know, it's a weird way that TV works, but that's how they do it. The um, uh, I have to say, with this particular episode, it was nice to kind of get uh, away from, for the most part, for who murdered uh, Sarah, and it be just kind of it, this was almost a standalone for the most part. I know there was references to Sarah yeah. And, yeah. and stuff, but I, I, it was nice to just kind of have a just an adventure, just 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 some action for just a standalone episode. Mm-hmm. I wish they would have of involved Felicity a little bit more, gave her a little more screen time though. Just not enough. Yeah, the whole episode was all around her. Uh, so you get my point uh, he's going in a creepy mode again Jim we need an adult Chubb you need to wait till after the podcast for that buddy <laughs> adult time that makes me uncomfortable okay so Arrow um Cool to see. Well, what, what about that? Uh, what, what about that? Uh, the final scene that that kind of opens. The, yeah, yeah, with questions. Roy. I was going to bring that yeah. up too because that weird. Yeah, yeah I, I, you I, don't that, think that, that possibly he has a split personality and he is the one that killed her? I mean, that would just be. I don't that's know. That's red. Know if I would like that. That's red herring. There is no way he did it. No way. Mind controlled no. by the League of Assassins. No, no. I'm, I could I'm think- see, I I could see Razagul doing all types of things to break up Team Arrow. So I could see them making you think he did it, and then you find out that he didn't. I just don't think they're gonna take you know Roy away. Like look at all they went through to develop Roy with the, with the team. Right. So like if he's the one that killed her, you can't go back from that. You know, there's no coming, there's no real coming back. Even if it was mind control to a point, it's still, you know, you were mind controlled into killing her. I don't, I just don't think 
that they would go that route. I think they might have it where they make you think he did it, and then they have to get through that and find out what really happened, and then you do. And then that's uh, what I'm hoping for. That'll yeah, make, that'll make I mean, I'm, sure. I'm betting that that uh, that you go the whole season thinking that he or he thinks he kills her, and then at the end, a big reveal: it was a false memory implanted, and it was actually somebody else. And and just like Guderro was, he said they're just trying to break up Team Arrow. Razagul yeah. was trying to break him up. Yeah, because he he really like that's that's Roz's thing is to manipulate and to he just he mind f's you first and then he takes you out like that's his thing like he learns everything there is to learn about you the way he manipulates his own children is an example of that uh-huh. you know that's his thing he doesn't he doesn't care he doesn't matter he's like I'm gonna make you stronger or if you don't get stronger from what I'm doing to you well you know what I can make more kids <laughs> that's his thought process. I can get in a. I can just isn't that about Cosby bit? <laughs> yeah, like I. I, I brought don't... you into this world. I can take you out and make another right. one that looks just like you. <laughs> All right. There's no. I'm sorry. They're like, no. Roz don't say sorry. <laughs> if stuff didn't work out, like, oh, you didn't need to be with her anyway. She wasn't part of the family. You, like your daughter's sitting there crying about this girl. Nah, she wasn't part of the family. Now kiss the ring and get over it. And we, we got business to do. Like that's that's how evil Roz is. And I, I can see her even in the comics, she turned against her father to the point where she came closest to murdering him. Yeah. And she took all those pits away and like she went all out but like that her was father. Talia, wasn't it? No, no, no. That was um That was Nissa? Yeah, that was Nissa. Okay. With Rucka. That was that Rucka story where she did that. Um, she broke out, like, she basically was like, I'm taking him out. Like, Talia had some type of remorse about it, like, maybe we shouldn't really kill Father, even though he's done these horrible things. But, no, she was like, no, I'm taking him out. Like, I'm, I'm uh, he's got to go. It's, this dude is a monster, and I'm done. I'm tired of it. Like, that's, and I think that the, the show is going in that direction of, of that, too, of, I think she's going to wind up being an ally. For Team Arrow, towards the end, if she survives the season, when I, once she finds out, I think that her father was behind Sarah's death for sure. Oh, of course, of that's course. gonna be. The, and I would know. love to see that fight. Her fighting with Team Arrow, I want to see that. that. Like that's gonna be great. They do a good job of of somebody you think is bad. They're not really as bad as you think they are. And then eventually they become an ally. They, you know, they become a problem. They, you know, they find out things about them. And then they, you know, they kind of learn to work together after a while. So I, I would they're, love to see her. They're not evil. They're just misunderstood. Like Frank. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. That's what I keep trying to tell people. I'm not it's, evil. I'm just misunderstood. Misunderstood. Yeah, Thea is evil. She listens to Coldplay. Clearly, clearly evil. I, you know what? I, I wasn't here for the last episode, but I can't. I cannot see her being a bad, bad ass. I just don't see it. Like even with the fights and the fire and the, the the flashbacks of her father training her, I still look at her and I see whiny Thea. Yeah, I I'm 
I mean, they're they're doing a good job of maturing her, but at the same time, right. I do just see Party Girl a little bit. Yeah, I don't see it yet. Now, yeah. Not to say they won't, but I don't see it yet. And I I kind of see. I hope that um, her sister, with uh, not her sister, um, Sarah's sister. What's her name? I'm Laurel. Sure. Laura. Laurel. She she's starting to go into annoying territory again. Like you you listen, fool. You are not trained enough that you're gonna beat this big dude, you know, that's a boxer. Like this dude hurts people for fun. <laughs> you are not at that level. You've been around enough people that are trained for these things to know better. That you are not, you know You referring to the last episode where yes. she tried to take a, take out the abuser. I don't care how mad you are. If you ain't got a gun, then you need to go back home. I think she's coming to her senses at the end of this episode, though. When she goes to her trainer, she opens up about what's really going on, which gives him the ability to figure out, okay, I need to approach training her from this angle. I think that, that the what she did at the end of tonight's episode was, was the uh, eye-opening moment that she needed. But how yeah, many she, times she is not thinking? She is not thinking straight and making a lot of dumb, dumb decisions. How many times does her eyes have to be open when the bomb went off and she went to the to her job and endangered and he died because he had to go get you? Or what about this episode where she sends out the riot squad and causes things to be a lot worse? Well, yeah, yeah, but even before that, like how so many thanks, times? Laurel. Yes, how many times have you put yourself in jeopardy, which in turn, other people get hurt because they have to go after you or they have to protect you? Like, like, come on, you, you gotta, you had too many moments where you've had that. You gotta get past that, girl. It's, it's time. You're like, I know your sister's dead, but she was trained and she got killed. What you gonna do? And it's something that bothered me, and even that one officer was saying something to her, but does a district attorney, whether they're acting district attorney, the actual district attorney, do they have that kind of power? I mean, she, to touted, me, she touted something about, well, the city charter says I don't, I do. Uh, but uh, Richard, I'm with you. I don't think she, she would have that authority. I mean, that would have to be someone way up in the police ranks or possibly even a judge. I would think that would have to be to order you know, uh, an emergency SWAT unit like that that's going to do that kind of crowd control using tear gas against the public and all that stuff. That just doesn't seem like a DA role. But, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, dismiss it for the sake of the show, but I'm just saying it just, that kind of threw me off a little bit. Yeah. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> no, that don't count. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like that, because even when I was watching Batman Begins a couple of days ago and it was on, and Rachel Dawes is like, uh, I'm a district attorney. Let me in. I could see a cop just saying, and I'm the queen of England. What do you want? Go go back outside. What are you going to do? You're not trained to do anything. You are not trained in emergency rescue. You are not trained in any of that stuff. You, you yeah. talking about you're going to go in? No, girl, you're going to go turn around. And they would have said that to any guy, guy, girl, whatever. They would have said, you're going to turn your suit wearing self around. And you're going to walk right back out and go back home. Right. Because the district attorney, I mean, they're they're basically there. They take up the mantle once the police have finished their work. Yes. You you go to court. Like, we ain't in court yet. We don't know who did this. Have these guys ever watched Law and Order? Yes. 
<laughs> a few episodes, yeah. <laughs> like you don't, the, the district attorney don't never run out into the crime scenes and doing stuff. That don't work like that. Like that's that's fairy tale land. So I, I just and no cop in the world is gonna tell them that they could do that in a in a disaster area. You just you just don't you don't get that type of uh, leeway. Sometimes. It's like the uh, it, it's like the romanticized version of crime scene investigators. It is like <laughs> there's a fascination with TV of having it that you are the forensics guy, the detective, the uh, you notify the family, you investigate outside, you like you travel to another country to find out evidence on a no, you don't do all that. That's the team people that do that. Like, I wish so, the one time I wish they would have a scene on TV where they would, you know, guy would be like, I'm a district attorney. And the guy goes, I don't care what you are. This is our area. This We do this. This is for the EMTs, the firemen, and the police. We don't need people in the way. You There's a do- reason they're called the first responders. Exactly. So you go on back to your... Uh, Little area. Office, play with your copier. You find out who did this after we catch them. You you prosecute. But until then, you you shine that little ID somewhere else. And, and and on top of all of that, the worst the worst crime that happened out of the whole thing though is that all of those scenes with her and the whole SWAT thing took away more Felicity screen time. That's <laughs> the worst part. That is true. It did. It's like the it worst did. example ever of having to deal with your boss's daughter. Yes. But when they bring their bad kids to work and you just want to go, I, I, if this kid don't sit down, I'm going to put him in one of them little small boxes and I'm going to mail him back home. But you can't <laughs> do that because you want your job. So you just have to smile and go, <laughs> hey, you stupid kid. Just straight <laughs> over there. Just Yeah. He's just love the children. Okay, so uh, Arrow, uh, Secret uh, Origin of Felicity, Smoke, Yay or Nay. I say yay. I thought it was a good episode. I oh, say yay. two yays. When I see it. Oh, yay. <laughs> uh, definite, definite yay. It was it was fun. It was nice to kind of take a break from the whole who killed Sarah. Yeah. The, um, the ratings for the three shows we talked about tonight. Um, Constantine is struggling a little bit. It held on to most of the grim uh, lead-in. Uh, audience on its first episode, but the second episode didn't do as well. Uh, it only had a point oh nine uh, rating with a three share. That's about uh, three point uh, oh eight million viewers. So um, it was. Do you have the three plus numbers? No, they they aren't up yet. I haven't seen those yet. No, so. but it's kind of struggle. I mean, the time of the when it had the didn't have the games going on too. Right. There's the uh, well, we had the. Um, well, no, the uh, World Series is done by then. So. Oh, okay. Well, it's Friday. It's right. It was yeah. Halloween. It was also Halloween. It was. That's what I mean. I, was, I know it was something they were saying that hurt the show too. It was it was Halloween? That, right. that, that yeah. probably. Did. Yeah. I mean, because I didn't get to watch it until last night. So, I mean, I know I'm definitely in the plus seven category. Yeah, well, I did Hulu. Of, so. Well, yeah. speaking of shows that are benefiting from that, Gotham. Uh, on its uh, on its actual viewing, uh, got six point five million viewers overall on uh, on Monday night, Crazy. Uh, and we, we the plus three and plus sevens aren't in yet on that. But it, if it is if it continues to perform the way it, do, it has been, um, that's a jump. That's a jump on the live viewership, 
and the uh, the the plus uh, three and plus seven have added almost uh, between eighty and ninety percent viewership. Um, it's really been like the Gotham has really been the poster child for video on demand, really mm-hmm. um, being a major part of you know advertising and production you know, going forward. It's really it's been like the show to like really almost double its ratings with the plus three and plus seven inclusions. It makes you think all those people that were like, why did Netflix pay all that money? <laughs> now they you know. go. They know. Now we know why they paid all that money. It makes me think of all those genre shows that might have had a better chance if Plus 3 and Plus 7 had been implemented sooner. Yeah. You know, like Almost Human or Fringe. Sleep, or... Sleepy Hollow is scaring me, people. Yeah, I, I know Hollow. this ain't the Sleepy Hollow show, but I'm those ratings are scaring me. Y'all, y'all got to keep watching the show. I can't lose this. Well, Fox, <laughs> Fox did come. I mean, Fringe got, well, not really five seasons, four and a half. I think that, you know, I mean, it... it struggle through but it at least they gave it a chance whereas they don't other genre shows and you know and and i'm surprised about sleepy hollow actually because i watched it last season but it wasn't like at the top of my oh must get home and watch this on my dvr right away kind of show but this season now i haven't watched this week's episode yet but this season up to last week to me has been killing it i mean I, it's blowing season one out of the water. I, I'm kind of surprised that it's not doing as well. I, I don't know what's going on, but I, I know that uh, people need to stop watching Selfie and, and get to the sleepy. Leave Selfie alone. You would think that the Gotham numbers would translate in a little bit, but I, I don't know. Well, Gotham's getting so much from you know, video on demand and, uh, and DVR viewing. I mean... There is no lead-in on those, so they're missing out on lead-in from you know, almost half the ratings that Gotham is getting. And it should be on instant. I don't know why they don't. Like Sleepy Hollow, I think, would be great to be on Netflix instant watch. The first season should have been on there already. You think it was? It's on Hulu. Yeah, it is on Hulu. It should be on Netflix as well. <laughs> uh, Arrow has been rising from week to week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it rose 8% in total viewers and then 11%. And then uh, uh, 12% again uh, last week. Uh, it outrated NBC in that hour, actually, uh, in its hour last week. It's funny because a lady friend of mine, she don't watch, she does not watch a lot of TV at all. And she is not a comic book reader. She's more of a gamer than anything. And I, she, she gets all the comic stuff from, from me. So she started watching Arrow on Netflix and binge watch, and it turned into binge watching for her now. So now I get text of, oh, I'm getting ready to go home, and I'm going to watch Arrow. <laughs> As opposed to, like, and that's something that she doesn't know anything about, Green Arrow, except for, you know, what's on the, the front of the comic book cover. But she got into that show, and it just became, I'm only going to watch one more episode, and then I'm going to go to sleep. And yeah. it's like she stayed up. We've all been night. there. <laughs> She's got into the show, and it's just something... For someone, she's a civilian, and for a civilian to just be into it like that. And I said, all right, so I gave her another drug. I said, move the Flash. So now <laughs> next, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her uh, Gotham to be her next drug and see how she takes well, to that. But it's, uh, it's kind of cool to, to see how the reactions from people who have not grown up reading about any of these characters and how they take to the show. And 
she even with the silly stuff like she's just like the things we complain about like his mother is terrible or his sister is annoying like she texts me all these little and laurel needs to get herself together like she's going through <laughs> like she, she doesn't know how bad it's going to get with laurel before you're going to want to <laughs> kill laurel before right. the show the season is over with but uh it's just uh fun to to, uh, I remember when I was only slightly annoyed by Laurel. <laughs> right. I, I, I kept my mouth shut because I knew it was coming. She said, I hate well, Laurel. You know, um, with, with, with Arrow and, and civilians, I mean, there, there's a lot to like. One, it has a good-looking cast. Mm, oh, and, yeah. And also, there is, there is a lot of drama that, you know, especially that first season, there's a lot of couple drama, you know. Will Laurel forgive... Um, oh. You know, the you know, funny I'll, thing she said, though, to me, when you mentioned that, she 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 doesn't want too much of the sappiness. She said to me, she said, Laurel and, and I'll, uh, this is for the first season, Laurel and Oliver just need to, they just need to, to have sex. She said, because yeah. all the long looks of longingness and all that kind of stuff, they need to get, they need to pick a side. Either they're going to do it or they're not. Like, I, they need to get past this. It was too much soap opera for her. She didn't like the Ross and Rachel of the whole thing? It was too much for her. She said, look, just sleep with him or not. Just decide what but, you're going to do. You know, there, there, there's a lot of pain in that first season because, I mean, he cheated on her uh-huh. with her sister. Yeah. And then he, everyone thought he, and his, her sister, and he, everyone thought he was dead. I mean, when he comes back, that's a lot of stuff the process yeah the father and then the tommy loves laurel oh my gosh yeah that's i mean that's that's a that's a lot of drama and i think that's that's one reason why i got i mean i didn't mind it i you know those first that first half of arrow i kind of really dug it i was like even dia wanted tommy dia wanted tommy (laughs) (laughs) damn it he's not even of age yet girl stop it but anyway, so to sum up for ratings, Gotham is doing great, getting huge plus three, plus seven numbers. Arrow is trending up because of the popularity of The Flash, which has become the most uh, viewed CW show ever broadcast by them. Nice. And uh, Constantine uh, is kind of uh, trying to find its way in the ratings. So hopefully it'll get a chance to find an audience. I hope so. I'm sure it will. It, it just It's Friday night and... Um... Yeah, it'll find it. Got a few quick news nuggets here. Um, first of all, the Arrow um, cast started filming an episode called Midnight City. It's the 11th episode of the season. And what makes it interesting is it is co-written by a guy by the name of Ben Sokolovsky, who was the guy who reintroduced Dr. Midnight in the New 52. Oh. And the show is called Midnight City. So. Oh. You know, uh just just real quick is dr midnight is he still blind is he still a blind doctor that serves the superheroes as far as i know okay um but so you know obviously the i guess the biggest you know thing would be to just assume that we're going to end up seeing dr midnight down the road also and you would need a doctor i mean that makes sense that the last the piece that they don't have is they don't have a doctor that's true as much as they've been hurt, I mean, everybody's, you know, taking arrows and guns and all that kind of stuff. Like, but the one thing they don't have to deal with all these things is they don't they don't have a physician to help. So, well, Felicity knows first aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she can't go in and really like if they really get messed up, you know, they need a doctor, doctor. Like, you can't 
You know, they don't even have all the equipment they used to have anymore. Oh, they now, got right. Between a doctor, doctor, and Felicity Smoke, which one do you want giving you mouth to mouth? If I'm having a heart attack or something, I'm sorry, Felicity. But when I'm dead, I can't I can't be with you if I'm dead. But so what a, a way to go. I need a doctor. I'm sorry. I need a doctor, doctor. And then I'll try to get your love if I survive. We uh we got some, oh I'm sorry. Hold on. Welcome to the Felicity Smoke Podcast. Felicity <laughs> <laughs> Smoke all day, every day. All day and every day. Um Gotham has introduced some characters. First of all, we're going to meet Harvey Dent uh, pretty soon, and Say the what? Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're breaking the story now that the villain, uh, the Scarecrow, will be seen as a child before he takes on the Scarecrow moniker. In fact, it's something that will be passed on to him from his father, which will create an eventual enemy for Batman by wo- while still having an adversary in the present day for Jim Gordon. That fits, because they, they've alluded to that he was he had an abusive childhood right and that was what caused him to be you know uh, obsessed with fear yeah exactly this is the way he was terrorized as a child um as i mentioned before gotham has become the poster child for multi-platform viewing uh doubling its ratings um in most in most cases uh on platforms such as hulu um you know dvr and soon to be netflix as we said they bought the rights and um I think the story I want to end with this week is uh, uh, Stephen Amell from Arrow uh, is quoted as saying he feels like Grant Gustin should be playing the Flash in the movie, not as mm-hmm. mm. yeah, yeah, I, I read, read that. that. I thought that was a, a resounding um, uh, endorsement. Yeah, like yeah. I said, it kind of goes back to some stuff we talked about before on the podcast about whether the movie and TV universes should be separate or mm-hmm. or, or together. Um I don't know. They seem to be doing just fine the way they are. So, <laughs> well, I like he did it the way he said it. And I read it. He he did it without being an a hole, right? You know, it was like no disrespect to 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 the actor who's going to play it, and you know, whoever, you know, less we don't know what's going to how it's going to work out. It could be great. We don't know, but of course, I would love to see because I've already seen him be Flash. I would love to see him play that character. On the on the big screen, but I understand why. Well, of course he's pushing for that because then also that could possibly mean he's the Green Arrow. Well, he said that, but he said, "But I know (laughs) the deal. He understands the deal, but it'd be great." But other than that, you know, it is what it is. And I, but I like his attitude about it. Like you, you could say it in a way to not be. He wasn't un- he wasn't ungracious about it. He was right. He was very about gracious it, was about cool. that. I appreciate and I love what I do here. But you know, I I'll, I still appreciate what I have with with working on the show. And, so. and the more I think about it, the more I think they're kind of missing out. Not only by using Grant Gustin, but I mean they're setting up some really good villains on the Flash and Arrow too yeah. that they could delve into in the Justice League movies. Um, I mean, we saw Captain Cold last week, you know, and in, in the beginning of the Rogues, so. Oh, well, um, there was also a really cool picture that was tweeted out a few days ago that Aaron Newer shared with me of uh, Ben McKenzie from Gotham, uh, mm-hmm. dressed as uh, Commissioner Gordon with the white hair and the That's trench coat solid. and the mustache, yeah. which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, if you want to check out Aaron Newer's uh, review of reviews in Gotham, by the way, we've been linking to them on our Facebook group, uh, the DCTV Podcast Facebook group. 
So I think that's about it for this week, gentlemen. We'll be back to four new episodes next week. Yeah. Hey, Jim, re- really quick, on our Facebook group, how many likes do we have now? Uh, we're up to 67 members. Come on, I know there's more than 67 people out there listening. Be sure to go and like our Facebook group. You're missing well, out on lots add of cool yourself stuff. To it. Add, yourself add, to it. add yourself to it, yes. I will say this, out of those 67 people that have uh, been added to that Facebook group, zero have contracted Ebola. So there's definitely <laughs> something there. So I would be also- sure... I would also like to shout out um, Rafael Sands and Carmen Camona for for up, update constantly throwing updates on the on the site. Oh yeah! If you want to keep up on the yep. news um, for for these shows, I mean they they've been really helping me out a lot, keeping yeah. it updated and stuff. I wanted to shout out those guys and, and yeah, yeah thank Rafael you very much. from uh, No Apologies, yeah, right, and, and Carlos, yeah, and you too, Rich. <laughs> Occasionally, yay! So. Okay, well, like I said, until next week, we have uh, four brand new episodes to talk about. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, for coming on uh, talking about the DC shows this week. Uh, if you want to hear more of Daryl, there's a lot more of Daryl on the internet to be heard at the Taylor Network of Podcast.com. You can hear his uh, television movie show that he does with Donnie Salvo and myself called Nothing's On, where we talk about more than just the DC TV shows. Uh, there's also, of course, No Apologies. Yeah, I said it. Um, all. <laughs> There's so many podcasts that Daryl is on. I, I I hesitate to even try to list them all. So if you go to TaylorNetworkPodcast.com, you will see them all there. There are also uh, uh, cool blogs and news items and a lot of geeky, cool stuff to be found there. Uh, also, HHWLOD.com is the home for the HHWLOD Podcast Network. Uh, if you're into DCTV, then you probably also enjoy shows like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We have a show called It's All Connected, which is the Marvel Movie Studios podcast, and it covers not only Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but how it's connected into the bigger uh, Marvel Universe world. And I, I definitely want to recommend the last episode because they went by uh, uh, picture uh, movie by movie and went through all the, the big announcements that uh, Marvel made of the um, the movies they have you know slated up until, what, 2009, 2010? Yeah. 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 Uh, so definitely 2010? check out... 2010? <laughs> 2019. 2019. Yeah. I'm too far in the future that I'm, I'm slipping into yeah. the past. Um, I just listened to that episode yesterday, and it is, it's a very informative episode, so yeah, be sure to check it out. And uh, also the Walking Dead TV podcast, very popular podcast we have uh, covering the, oddly enough, the Walking Dead TV show. Uh, yeah, you could probably give it from the title. Uh, it's been a pretty good uh, season so far, except for the last episode. But uh, yeah. so far, so good. And uh, <laughs> yeah, sad trombone on the last episode, but everything else has been good. Also, the Ichapod Crane cast, as you mentioned before, I mentioned before, you know, Daryl has a lot, mm-hmm. and I both watch Sleepy Hollow. But uh, Aaron and Brandon are holding it down over there on the Sleepy uh, Hollow Ichapod Crane cast. And covering that uh, episode by episode as it comes out. So if you're into the genre TV, we have a lot of podcasts for you over there. And if you're into the more general geeky stuff, you got Half Hour Wasted with Frank, who you heard tonight. Thank you for being on, Frank. Hey, my pleasure. And his brothers Brad and Bill, as they uh, talk about uh, all things geeky and sundry that uh, come through their transom. I know uh, they, uh, they just recently talked about the Age of Ultron trailer in the recent episode. And uh, it's always a lot of fun. They are the godfathers of the network, and that's why their name is in the title of the network. And uh, we have a whole spectrum of podcasts there at that website, if you want to check that out, hhwlod.com. And until next week, guys, thanks for joining me, and uh, 
Good night. Always a pleasure. Good night. Good night. Slow it down some, no split, clown bum, your gold hit sound dumb, hold it now, crown them, where you found them at, got them round town, coulda drowned in it, woulda floated, bloated, voted, sugar coated, loaded, hip shooter, draw for the poor, free coffee at the banks, hit through the scraw, none more for me, thanks, that blanks the roar, that dank sure stank lit, sank past the pit for more hardcore prank spit, crank it on blast, roll past front street, blew the whole spot like some old ass with skunk meat, these kids is too fast, juiced off a junk tree, who could get loose or off a crunk or a funk beat? Something's starting today. Where did he go? Why you want it to be? Where you know November has come. It's gone. Something's starting today. Where did he go? Why you want it to be? Spigot. My guess is yes, you can. Like, can I kick it? Wicked. Lick a shot if you happy and you know it as you clap your hands to the thick snot of a poet flowing. Grope a pen and I'm in. Co-hymen, dope a rhyming. More worth it than the hope diamond acquired off the black market. A wiretapping couldn't target a jar spit. The rapid fire spark lit. Zip. A rapper bug zapper. And it don't matter after if there's a thug or dapper. Plug your trap or it's maximum exposure. He's got family members asking him for closure. Uh, send him a gun and tell him clean it. Then go get the nun who said her son didn't mean it. She wore a filled-in thong, a billabong. Is it not for real?